This is Wednesday, January 26th, and yesterday we saw that the Jewish people believe that if you were rich, well, you must have done something right. That's why God blessed you with material resources. That is why that even though the Lord told his people not to show favoritism, the Jewish people favored the rich. They really believed that God loved them more and that they somehow deserved it. But God never told his people this. They have made this assumption. Think of the way rich and poor relate today. The rich couldn't look down on the poor, feeling that the poor could seize opportunity if they'd simply work hard enough for it. And the poor can resent the rich and blame them for their ills. Both can look askance at each other. Here's what our teacher has to say about this. I have seen a grievous evil under the sun, the wealth hoarded to the harm of its owners, or wealth lost through some misfortune, so that when they have children, there's nothing left for them to inherit. That's Ecclesiastes 5, verse 13 to 14. Now here our teacher digs down into two aspects of money he feels are meaningless. First, hoarding. Why hold on to more than you need? Why not give to others that would benefit? We learn as we study scripture that one of the greatest drivers of our view of money is fear. We fear failure or loss or scarcity. We don't trust in the bounty of God's provision. We live with the fear that one way or another we're going to run short. And the end result is that we can be controlled by money. We can always be thinking about it, constantly thinking about how we can hold on to what we have and not lose it, or how we can gain more so that we can be more secure. I had parents that grew up during the Depression. My dad's parents were extremely poor, and at one time my grandfather won an automobile by entering a contest. While it was a beautiful new car, they couldn't even afford to put gasoline in it to drive it. There also was little market for cars in their town. People were using every penny they had to scrape by. So my father was left with a residual fear of coming up short, of running out. His father, my grandfather, lived very modestly his entire life. Into his 90s, he couldn't afford a clothes dryer. And so I remember him carrying wet clothes from the washer down the incline next to his house to hang them on a clothesline. After he passed away, his children were shocked to receive a sizable inheritance. He had had resources all along, but he had lived as if he had none. And he had done this because of the feeling of scarcity. Many of us have learned this tendency from our parents or our grandparents. And so fear causes us to focus on money rather than God. There's a beautiful scene related in the Gospels about a woman that anointed Jesus with spikenard. That's a very expensive perfume. In fact, it was so valuable that it was stored in a special container made of alabaster that would only allow a very small drop out at a time. When a woman married, it often would be the most valuable piece of property she would bring into her marriage. But this woman, we're told, 
took this priceless perfume and she broke the jar so that she could anoint Jesus with the entire contents. It was a stunning sacrifice of what was valuable in her life and also wealth she could use to secure a future for herself. But there was no measuring, no counting, only a complete outpouring of perfume and love in gratitude to Jesus. Jesus had saved her, and she was thankful. Now some of the disciples became indignant with the use of such riches. Yes, they were measuring and counting, and unable to see the loving act for what it was, Jesus rebuked them and explained that the sacrifice of that woman would be remembered. And indeed, it has. You see, a love of money or a fear of scarcity can eclipse love in our lives. We can be so worried about the future, worried about coming up short, that we miss the opportunity that God provides to us. Remember Jesus' parable about the master that leaves and entrusts his talents, his wealth, to his servants. The point of the parable is that we stand responsible for the way we use what God has entrusted to us. But there was one servant in the parable who, because of fear, did nothing with what the master entrusted to him. This servant received the master's rebuke. Now, as we think about the example of our master, Jesus, we can see that he left nothing on the field. Instead, he emptied himself on our behalf, taking the nature of a servant, and his sacrifice was to the point of death. He wasn't counting or measuring, only giving and loving. And so the cross is a good place to start to learn about God's values, what he thinks of us, and his provision. We usually only want to spend money when we think it's a fair trade, when we buy a car. We must value the car as much of the money we spend to buy it. So consider how God has valued you if the cross is what it took to redeem you. Let's pray together. Jehovah Jireh, you are the God who provides. We spend our lives thinking through cost analyses, wondering if we are buying what we are buying is worth the price. Then we see the cross and we see how you have valued us, how much we mean to you and what you have given to redeem us. Teach us how to best use the resources you've provided. Help us not to make idols of our money or to live in fear. For in your name we pray, amen.